He'd been dead for almost a year, and it still felt like I'd lost him yesterday. I saw his face everywhere I looked, from the glaring video screens that adorned every corner of the city, to the rippling multicolored reflections of the puddles in the gutters. My partner's visage was ever-present. It wasn't my fault he was dead, I knew that, but I couldn't get over the feeling that I had to make amends somehow. I had to at least find the bastard that took him out. The man with mistletoe branches tattooed across his neck and chest. I'd been chasing him since the moment I saw the video of the coward gunning down my partner with a bullet to the back of the head. Snuck up on him, and that was it. He never saw it coming. I'd been tipped off that this scumbag was working for the cage matches that were held in the old abandoned opera house. I'd been there once or twice before. Not in the ring, just as a spectator. It fascinated me that this place that was once a hub of luxury and culture was now home to only the most desperate parts of society. People who entered the cages were looking for parts. Metal parts. If you win the match, you take off your arm or your leg and replace it with the finest robotic prosthetic from the black market. Those who were lucky enough to receive a biological upgrade could then parlay their newfound strength into better jobs. But those who lost... Well, few ever made it out of the cage alive, and those who did didn't stay that way for long. Like I said, desperate people. Raleigh! Hey, Raleigh! I'm looking for a man with a tattoo like the one in this picture. Have you seen him? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Why are you looking for him? He's the asshole who killed Eddie. Huh, you know that for sure? I saw the video with my own two eyes, so unless you know a second guy with the same tattoo, he's the one who did it. Shit. I knew Sid was getting into some bad stuff, but I didn't think he'd go and do a thing like that. Bad stuff? Worse than working in a place like this? I don't judge your life choices. I thank you not to judge ours. So he has been working for you then? Yeah, he has. But I ain't seen him in a few days. Any idea where he could be? Look, if I tell you, what are you gonna do for me, huh? I'll continue to turn a blind eye to this illegal operation of yours. How about that? Unless you want me to talk to my buddies down at the precinct. All right, all right, all right. I was just messing with you. Come on now. Have a sense of humor. Where is Sid? Well, the butcher probably poached him from me. Wouldn't be the first time she's taken one of my guys. The butcher? Yeah, she takes care of all the casualties from the fights. Probably disposes of the parts our winners don't need anymore and uh, gives a dignified send-off to the ones who didn't win their matches. How do I find the butcher? Yeah, just follow the winner of that fight. You'll see where they all end up. So I did. I followed along as they took the winner of the latest fight into the back room, where he was laid down on a steel table, given a shot of something to kill the pain, and then had his left leg severed at the thigh and replaced with a shiny new hydraulic limb. The flesh leg was put into a bag and taken into the back alley, where it was thrown unceremoniously into the back of a truck, along with several other bags, presumably containing the limbs of other winners from that evening. 
It was the last fight of the night, so it wasn't long before the driver closed up shop and got ready to take off. At the last minute, I hopped onto the tail of the truck and held on for dear life. When we finally stopped, it was in front of a warehouse by the pier. Typical. I dodged into an alley before the driver could see me, and then I watched as he went inside the warehouse, presumably so he could retrieve a dolly, so that he could load as many of those disgusting black bags onto it as possible. I just managed to slip inside the open warehouse door before he came back, ducking into a dark corner so I wouldn't be noticed. But inside that place... Well, there was no way to prepare me for what I was about to see. The air immediately felt thicker, and I had to stop myself from retching at the smell. Hung all around were arms and legs and various states of... controlled decay. That's the only way I can describe it. When Raleigh had said that the limbs were properly disposed of... This is not what I pictured. Once, when I was a kid, I remember seeing this old movie about a boxer. There was a scene where the guy went into a sort of freezer and started using the carcass of an animal as a punching bag. The way that carcass had been hung up, that was how these limbs were hanging. I'd never seen so much flesh in one place before. Well, unalive flesh, that is. In my horror, I backed into a barrel, which made an odd sound. I looked into it and saw something shiny sitting on the top, but I couldn't quite make out what it was. I grabbed a scoop I saw sitting on a nearby shelf and reached into the barrel with it, trying to fish out the shiny object. As I brought the scoop into the meager light of the warehouse, I realized what the barrel contained and I dropped everything in my hands out of shock. Teeth. The whole thing was full of teeth. And right by my foot was a shining golden one. Eddie had a gold tooth just like that. I knew it couldn't have been his, but for a moment... I reached down and picked it up, slipping it into the inner pocket of my coat. No reason to let a gold tooth go to waste, after all. From the back of the warehouse, I began to hear voices, and I observed the truck driver emerging from a brightly lit room. I waited for him to leave before I carefully headed over to see who he'd been talking to. Just inside the room was a woman, with forearms thicker than a log, wielding the biggest cleaver I'd ever seen. In front of her was a wooden table that had been stained a dark and unsettling color. And on that table was more than just someone's discarded arm or leg. It was a whole person. In a flash, I suddenly remembered what Raleigh had said. She takes care of the casualties from the fights, properly disposes of the parts our winners don't need anymore, and gives a dignified send-off to the ones who don't win their matches. This is what they call a dignified send-off? Being chopped up by a madwoman with a cleaver? Why on earth weren't they just burning the remains? This little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had roast beef. And 
little piggy hat, Mum. Well, at least she seemed to be enjoying her work. I guess I'm the little piggy who had none, huh? Because <laughs> I've never tasted roast beef. Never even seen it. I don't know anybody who has. It's all soy and corn now. I get a little sick of it sometimes. Uh, but, eh, what are you gonna do, right? It's not like I can afford meat like them. Oity-toity rich people. I bet it's not all it's cracked up to be anyway. Meat. Who wants to eat animals, right? Seems barbaric. Still, I can't help but wonder. Right? I watched from the shadows as this woman put down her cleaver and took up a long curved knife from the block behind her, which she then used to start separating the flesh from the bones. I couldn't watch this display any longer, so I bolted out of the warehouse and nearly puked my guts up right outside the door. But just then, I heard another vehicle pulling up to the side entrance of the warehouse. The butcher must have heard it too, because she was out there to greet the driver in a flash. Harry! How's your wife doing? Oh, that's great, buddy. I'm glad to hear it. They're having another shindig about the household. Yeah, let me go get the ones I've got prepared for you. A few minutes later, she was hauling a pallet of something that was tightly wrapped in plastic, which the driver loaded into the back of his van. Come inside for a minute, Harry. I have something special for you to take home to your wife. No, 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 don't thank me. (laughs) It's just a little gift from me to you. Come on. I'll show you. They'd left the door to the van just barely open, and without thinking it through, I dodged into the back and laid down flat next to the pallet, closing the door behind me. I know it was stupid, but I needed to see where this stuff was going. All right. You have a good night now, Hattie, all right? You can As I laid there in the back of the van, trying not to breathe too loudly, all I could think about was Eddie's gold tooth, shining from the left side of his crooked smile, and I reached into the pocket and felt around for the tooth I'd taken from the warehouse floor. I wondered what the hell I was even doing anymore. Wasn't I supposed to be chasing the man with the tattoo? Why had I decided to jump into the back of this van? Curiosity killed the cat, they say, and I was definitely risking several of my nine lives at that moment. Eventually, the van seemed to be climbing a long uphill driveway. I prepared myself to make a quick exit as soon as the vehicle stopped. Lucky for me, there didn't seem to be a lot of light around, so I was able to jump behind some kind of shack before the driver saw me. Where the hell had he taken me? We definitely weren't in the city anymore. I looked up and saw behind me the looming facade of a huge, gleaming mansion, golden light bursting from every window. The driver didn't immediately come to the back of the van, and instead knocked on a door on the side of the house and was let in straight away. The door was left ajar, presumably so the driver could return and empty his cargo from the back of the van. So I tested my luck once more and slipped inside the house. I emerged into some kind of pantry, which was stocked to the brim with dry goods. 
One way led into what looked like a gigantic kitchen, and another led to a narrow staircase. I heard voices coming from the kitchen and decided the stairs were the way to go. After a short climb, I emerged into a long hallway, tiled in sparkling marble. Flickering candle flames waved at me from their golden sconces on the walls and highlighted the faded faces of several portraits that had been hung between them. Without even thinking about it, I started walking down the hall as though I'd been hypnotized. I started to hear music, and then laughter, and then the clinking of utensils on plates. I don't know why, but for the first time that night, I didn't feel afraid. I just followed the sounds until I got to the end of the hallway. I thought about attending the tennis match on Sunday, but the last one was so dreadfully boring. It was, wasn't it? So painfully dull. I'd much rather spend the day at the races. Yes. Oh, the races are such fun. The last time we went, the chap who won broke his ankle on the final turn and still managed to limp across the finish line. Such a pity they weren't able to find runners who were in better shape to put against him. Even I could have beat a fellow with a broken ankle, for goodness sake. People are just so lazy these days, aren't they? Oh, Candace, darling, we've got another guest. So we do, Pippi dear. Detective, please, do come in. We've been expecting you. Two well-dressed women, identical except for one was a blonde and the other was a redhead, got up from the table and approached me with open arms, much to my surprise. I started to back away on instinct. It's all right, Detective, we've saved you a seat. Just there, beside me. Who are you people? Well, my name is Candice, and this is my sister, Pippi. You're most welcome here, don't worry. This is my home. We were just enjoying a lovely dinner with some of our closest friends. I knew what I was about to see, yet somehow I was still unprepared. The long banquet table around which everyone sat was laden with dish after dish of glistening, roasted meats. There was no question in my mind where the meat had come from, and the horror must have shown on my face. Don't worry, we'll let you have some. All you can eat, in fact. I don't want it. Oh, I think there's one dish in particular you might be interested in. Your chum let us know earlier this evening that you might eventually find your way here. Raleigh? Raleigh knows about this? Of course, dear. We employ him to provide us with all this sumptuous nosh. How... how can you? Well, you know very well how damnably scarce meat is these days. And if people are prepared to simply discard their body parts, well, waste not, want not, yes? We really do enjoy hosting these little get-togethers, and we'd hate to have them interrupted, Detective. So we thought that maybe, if we could provide you with a good meal, that perhaps you'd see things our way. No! No, I'm not eating that! And then I saw it. A torso in the middle of the table that looked to have been roasted whole. And emblazoned across the chest. A tattoo of mistletoe branches. We saved that one just for you, Detective. I reached into my pocket and felt the gold tooth. This is what I wanted, wasn't it? 
justice for Eddie? Had justice not been served? Come now, you really must try some. The man was beaten rather badly in his last fight, we're told, and that does tend to have a wonderful tenderizing effect on the flesh. You could have at least lied to me. Told me it was something else, and I would have gladly accepted the lie. Oh, no, detective. It's much better if you know the truth. Trust me. I stared for a good long while at those mistletoe branches. Mistletoe is supposed to ward off evil, they say. Well, didn't seem to have worked for that poor bastard. Maybe because he was evil himself. And if there was anything to take comfort in that moment, it was the thought that maybe evil people do get what they deserve in the end. Without another thought, I turned and smiled at Candace and Pippi and took my seat at the table. (laughs) 